episode we've kind of changed up who and how over the last handful of weeks when philip started moving around couldn't do uh i did i totally forgot to ask him to hang with us on tuesday he's kind of been moved to tuesdays because he can't do fridays he's out on the road then we had our friend kennedy from tsa but uh she had to get ready to go to school so things have been moving around but now i'm trying to add more guests local guests to not only wednesday but to wednesday but um, moving that to Thursday as well. And in just a couple of minutes, you might have heard him on the podcast in January. Uh, Daniel Ortiz running for city council. He's a pharmacy tech dude who lives in, lives in and loves the Old West End. Dan will be on in just a couple of minutes. Um, not much is different from the first time that we chatted, but I did want to know, like, what have you learned? And um, what he learned or what people were not pleased with surprised him a little bit. Not that he said he didn't have expectations, but he was surprised to hear this. We'll get to that shortly, and it might surprise you what Toledo residents or a majority of the ones that he spoke to um, had an issue with. But first couple of minutes, I, uh, I see that the Free Britney thing is happening again, and... It, it sounds harrowing that she has to, she has an IUD, but she wants to, she's forced to have that IUD and uh, she would like to have a baby with her boyfriend, Sam. She's 39 or 40. He's 28 or something. Um, she definitely has a type and there's nothing wrong with that. And she just pleaded with the judge virtually yesterday and, and shared her story. And again, it sounds harrowing and we love Brittany, but this is where I got to step back and sound like the bad guy. I call it objectivity. Um, You have, it's funny, she rose to fame during one of the greatest eras of MTV, the late 90s and early 2000s. It was MTV's, uh, was it True Life? True Life, Real Life? Said, you think you know, but you have no idea. Um, You want to free Britney, but you have no idea whether she is capable of making decisions X, Y, and Z for herself. Um, We don't know. You would only know if you were like an objective person in her life. And, you know, I I tweeted that out earlier. And as usual, I was reflective and I thought, okay, so maybe her father shouldn't be her conservator anymore. But because he does not have her best interests. Maybe his, his interests are, um, are the main decision making catalyst with his decisions when it comes to her conservatorship. But that just, if you want to remove him, that doesn't necessarily mean she is capable of running her finances and many other things that most people have access to in their life. Maybe there needs to be someone more objective. So, um, free Brittany of her dad, perhaps, but you nor I, and I would say probably less than 10 people know whether or not Brittany should actually be allowed to make her own decisions that she's craving for. Um, another thing, um, a lot of Facebook memories have resonated with me lately, and a picture popped up in my in my Facebook today from nine years ago. It was a Sunday, um, and I posted a picture of Diddy, the first day I, I met Diddy, and rewind three weeks to earlier in June, where I had just missed a week of work, and shut my phone off. I was completely inaccessible. I was a, a I was a broken person, and my dad knew this. And I wasn't on any medication then. I knew that I had mental health issues, 
but I was almost incapacitated. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't leave my 800 square foot apartment in Southfield. My dad knew I wasn't doing well. And he said, maybe you miss your dog. I had another dog that I left back home. Jasmine. It's like, maybe you miss your dog or maybe you should get a dog. And I was like, just like any kid, no mental health issue, whatever. Like as kids, we like scoff at the parent at our parents' suggestions. How, what percent of the time? 75% of the time. It's like, dad, it's ridiculous. So a couple of Saturdays later, I am on my iPad and I'm looking up where I can adopt a dog. I don't know. I just had this this wild hair. This thought popped into my head like, I should get a dog. The next day, I go to Petapalooza at the Palace of Auburn Hills. I look down. Or I, I, I'm there really early, as usual. And a woman says, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm looking for like an apartment-sized, smaller, medium dog. And I look down and there's Diddy. I walk him. I'm like, he's perfect. Um, and he literally saved my life. He gave me some meaning and some purpose. And the second half of 2012 was really painful and hard, but having Diddy made it a little easier. Um, and as much as he he's too loud and barks too much when people come in the house and he doesn't calm down fast enough, he is not affectionate at all. He is my independent, my independent ball playing, but very healthy 12-year-old. Uh, and I love him dearly, and he he did actually save my life. He is a hero, but if not for my dad planting that seed, which I completely ignored three weeks earlier, dark thoughts that ruled my mind that year could have become dark and lethal actions. Um, let's swing it over to the action of talking to Daniel Ortiz. Dan Ortiz from the Old West End, running for city council in at-large position. And uh, we spent some time together in January and some snowstorms. But now, a sunny summer day, Dan's back on the podcast. How has the campaign been in the last five months? Are you satisfied with uh, the ground you've made, the doors you've knocked on, and the people you met? Yeah, yeah um, I, would I would say that. You know what, real quick, I'm getting like feedback. Back I just took it out. I just took it out. Okay, cool. Sh- should be good now. All right. <clears throat> so, yeah, um, definitely the thing that is most gratifying is going out and talking to people. Um, it's really cool to just kind of, you know, because there's the reasons that I'm running and there's the issues that I care about. But when I ask, you know, other people what's most important to them, I'm learning so much. You know, there's so many things that I've um you know, never even thought of something, some things that don't come up in my day-to-day life. And uh, you get out there and talk to people and it's, it's really interesting and enlightening to hear from them. What if, well, let's go backwards a little bit for anybody. We'll just kind of recap what we talked about six months or so ago. What, what are the things uh, that you went into this, this hopeful campaign caring about most? Well, I think um, what's really driving me to run for office is to kind of inspire other people to do the same. You know, I just think that, um, everyone has such a negative view of politics and kind of rightfully so. And my kind of, my main thought is that if we just, you know, assume that all politicians are bad people, then no good, like decent, hardworking people are going to run for office, you know? So I think that we can kind of cure some of those, uh, some of those ills by just getting more like regular everyday people to run for office. And I figured if that's what I believe and that's what I'm going to say to people, then I should just go do it myself and and try to lead by example. Doesn't, Um, and I think good people do get into politics, and I think yeah, you're, I, do too. I, I think you're a good person. And I just, maybe in like small towns, this is more avoidable. But I think the the way politics works at most levels outside of the small towns is it, it just it gets its claws in you, and it and it 
changes you to some degree. And and I think the real good people like yourself included, and you know somebody like Nick Comives, um, it you you stay as altruistic as you can, but ultimately right. you make friends, you make enemies. It's it in itself is not like something real endearing that many people would want to do. That's why I commend you for doing it. But man, it's it's tough to keep that core belief when I think you're into it. Right. I think uh, I, I've been telling people, you know, some of like your worst instincts about politics um, as I've gone and, and met people and stuff um, and talked to certain kinds of people. Uh, that is kind of true. You know, when you talk to people that are real well connected and people real involved in, in the government here and stuff like that, um, there is sort of some of that, uh, you know, the kind of under the table deals and all that kind of stuff that uh, everyone thinks of when they think of politics and so, but you just kind of have to ignore that, and I'm ignoring that. I'm doing my own thing. I'm trying to be true to myself, and we'll see how far that takes me. What are some of the things that you learned when you were uh, when you were meeting people? You said it was not what you expected. So, what was the unexpected? Well, you know, I'm not sure that I like had expectations, but you know, just like you have like your core beliefs and the things that you know to be true and the things that you care about, and so then I go out and, um, you know. First off, when I first started going and talking to people, something that came up all the time was uh, how many people have bad landlords. And that's something that I knew was a problem, but I didn't know uh, how big of a deal it was, right? Like how prevalent it was, because I would talk to like five people in a row and this would come up one way or the other. And so I think that the city government does have a huge role in um, making sure that landlords are treating their tenants with, you know, just basic dignity and respect. And if nothing else, just following the actual laws that are already on the books. But so many of them don't. And, uh, you know, we should do something about that. What can the city uh, What can the city do to the landlords? Like pull the properties from them? Well, I don't think you can take anybody's property. But, you know, there are cities, there's a lot of different avenues you can take. There are cities where you have to, like, register Um, If you own X amount of rental properties, then you have to register with the city. And if all your tenants are coming to the city and saying, hey, this person's not um, doing the things that they're supposed to do, they're not, um, you know, just honoring like the basic contracts and things like that, then the city could, you know, potentially find those people and eventually make it so they can't uh, rent their property out, at least until they show, you know, that they're willing to to follow just the laws that are on the books. What was the common denominator with the, the landlord complaints? Um, it was, it was everything you can think of, you know, um, you hear so many stories about landlords who just are, are negligent or aren't around, you know, uh, if something goes wrong and they call, they don't show up anytime soon. Um, it's pretty common around here to hear people talk about, you know, not getting their security deposit back or getting huge amounts of money taken out of their security deposit for like petty incidental things that is not what the security deposit is for and things like that. So I, I heard a lot of that, uh, especially early on. How with with you running for one of the at large spots, like you've got to go knock on doors everywhere. It's not like you can just stay in one right neighbor, in one neighborhood. So what was your uh, what was your strategy in, in just getting out there? How did you wind up? Well, um, that's sorry. Go, no, um, go ahead. That that's that's where I'm at right now is is getting that strategy down. You know, especially because I I started getting around uh, talking to people and then uh, you know late January, early February, COVID really ramped up, I think around here. And, uh, so it didn't feel appropriate, even like masked up and all that stuff to sure. go talking to strangers and, and all that. Um, I was able to actually, you know, 
volunteer um, at a vaccine clinic and stuff like that. And so I really just like switched my focus back to um, doing stuff online and things like that. And so now that's where I'm at right now is trying to figure out um, where to go and, and uh, kind of figuring out whose doors to knock and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of ground to cover because I yeah. gotta go everywhere in the city, you know. I would say, strategically speaking, and I, I wanted to ask you, and it doesn't sound like you have. If you have, so I'm a big data and and, and math person. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm a big sports fan, so I the word analytics pops up in all walks of professionalism, and I, right. I I like this stuff. You know, you don't want to inundate yourself with information, but you certainly shouldn't ignore it. And I was going to ask you if you have been able to grab any information, demographics, data to kind of strategize, like, I'm wasting my time if I go to this part of the city. But here, like, I could literally just walk up and down the blocks and knock on everybody's door, and maybe I have a good shot at these. I was wondering if you uh, had dug in, but it sounds like that's the uh, the, the mini summer project to that, take yeah, on. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, and so, yeah, definitely not, like, ignoring any, like, you know, whole areas of Toledo or anything like that. But when you decide, okay, um, this day I'm going to go to this zip code, uh, you can go and pull up like the voter file and things like that. So the people that I'm targeting are people, at least right now, are people that, you know, reliably vote um, in city elections and things like that. Um, but eventually I want to branch out, you know, I'm starting narrow, uh, like a narrow focus and, and getting out there because even though right now I'm targeting people who are likely to vote in city elections, mm-hmm. um, you know, I really do want to have some sort of hand in boosting the the overall turnout because this year's election is so important. I mean, most of the uh, Toledo government is up for election. You know, the mayor, right. um, half the at large, or all of the at large seats, so half the city council, and I think a district seat or two also. So this is really important. I wonder if turnout will be down because uh, Mayor Wade is practically running unopposed. Um, and I wonder if that will keep people from coming out, knowing that he's kind of like a shoe in although I did see that a former city councilman pulled papers to run today. And um, let me pull up this tweet. If I can, his last name is Scotland. Um, but Sarah, have you, uh, have you met Sarah Elms? Have you chatted with her at all from the blade? Um, we've interacted a little bit online, but I haven't met her yet. Sarah's great. And she will have your back. If you tell her that you like candy corn, do you like candy corn? <laughs> I'm I'm neutral on candy corn. Oh, uh, look at that! I'll eat it. Uh, we're big candy corn fans. Uh, yeah. Re- Republican Jan Scotland. Um, he said, "I there's a quote from Sarah. I see a situation where the city is kind of falling apart and treading water. This what? Like mm-hmm. what year is that quote from? Because yeah. Um, what's uh? I'll ask you the overall take of where things have. Where, where we are right now shortly. But first, let me go back to, uh, you, you, you stayed at home, couldn't do as much meeting as you want because of COVID. You're, you're eyeball deep with that, doing uh, pharmacy tech stuff. So how, what's your perspective on how the city and I guess gen- generally the area has managed COVID? I know a lot of that stuff comes from the Lucas County Health Department, but how's the city right. done? Um, like you said, it's hard for me to delineate like the difference between like what the city's role and uh, Lucas County Health Department. But um, it seems like they've done a really good job on getting out there with the vaccines. I mean, um, you know, there is the issue of there's a lot of people that don't have like the easy access, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to go to like the, the mega site and all that kind of stuff. And so it seems like they're, they're getting out there and going to where people are. And, uh, I've been around to a couple of their like mobile vaccine clinics and things like that. And just a few events that I've been to the last uh, couple of weeks, you know, they were at the farmer's market. Um, they were at the big Juneteenth celebration at, at the Frederick Douglass center. 
Um, so they're they're getting out there and they're trying to get people vaccinated, which is the most important thing we can do to, to you know, get things under control. So, yeah, I see there'll be a, a couple of different places mobily, I believe, next week during the fireworks that people can get vaccinated before the, the show happens as well. I think that's yeah, that's, down at the park. Yeah, I think that's V Project stuff. But it's yeah, that's why I, I raised an eyebrow at Mr. Scotland's comments there. And everything has been so covid centric from a pharmacy and healthcare perspective. What's your take on um, covid and where we are now as opposed to where we were six months ago? It's obviously in a much better place. Well, it's in a much, much better place. I mean, the last time you and I talked, I don't think it even seemed like we were going to be getting the vaccine anytime soon. Like I knew it was coming, but yeah, didn't really know when. Um, and you know, now I've been fully vaccinated for a few months and most of the people that I know or that I interact with are. So, um, you know, it seems like once you got the shot, like, you know, once you're fully, fully vaccinated, you can kind of, um, pretty much everyone's getting back to normal. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist, you know, I'm just a, just a pharmacy tech. So, uh, I'm just going by with what, you know the current uh, standards are and everything and uh, seems seems pretty good as long as you're able to to get the vaccine uh i guess well this is a political question how did you feel about uh governor dewine's action to do vaccimillion and uh i mean we're, we're both vaccimillion losers here um, yeah congr- i really wanted to win yeah I mean, me too uh congrats to jonathan carlisle the uh the local guy did you happen to interact or come across his story at all I, I saw his story. I think it's cool. He seems like a cool guy, so I'm, I'm happy for him for sure. And he um, he loves Amazon. He loves working at Amazon too. Like <laughs> Amazon needs to have that guy do a commercial and pay him another yeah, no million. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, how do you? How did you feel about that? That effort from Dewine. When I read it, I couldn't believe what I read. I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. But then, uh, you know, like Mr. Carlisle said. Uh, it's what kind of spurred him to go get his shot. So, and it it turns out, you know, we had like a slight uh, uptick in in vaccination rates right after that was announced. So, you know what? I I say it worked and I think it was a a good idea. And I got to dream about winning a million dollars for five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think it was cool. And you know, it it became like, uh, God, what was another social? Oh, just in the same way, like, Back in May, March or May, when it was like, "Hey, what vaccine did you get? Which one did you get?" Where yeah. there was kind of like a a badge of honor, the the voting thing that we all do, and we wear those things when we leave. Mm-hmm. But it also became like, "Did you register this week? You know, you think you're going to win? What would you do with it?" Right. Um. But it, it doesn't sound like you were against you know using money that way. Which again, I think it came from the federal government, which it did. Yeah. Always comes uh, from from us in some way. But five million dollars for the the larger game here seems like a drop in the pot for what for the effectiveness and getting more people vaccinated i agree like whatever the number was of, of people that we got vaccinated out of it you know uh divided into five million like I'm, I'm sure the price tag was worth it yeah for sure um how how uh, uh mr scotland's words that the city is whatever he said crumbling and uh yeah, yeah. i don't see it that way things seem to be pointing really up in fact i want to throw uh i want to throw something on your radar as we continue to talk here that that i would like to see get more See, get a bigger story, a bigger profile, rather than like little darts here and there. But what's your uh, what's your perspective on just the city overall over the last handful of months? Yeah, you know, I actually just saw um, someone else. So I'm not going to name drop their their city council kind of announcement, their city council campaign announcement video, and it was the same tone, you know, about how terrible uh, the city is and all that stuff. And I just don't 
I don't see that at all. I'm like you. I I love Toledo. I'm, I'm, I'm running, I'm running for office here because I love it here, you know? And uh, obviously the city has its faults, like nowhere is perfect. And there's a lot of work to be done to, to make this a better place. Um, And I want to help do that work because I love living here, you know? Um, We're on a huge upswing, I think. Um, I just even think to maybe like 10 years ago, I think the city is in a much better place. Like for, you know, pretty much anything, like there's more stuff to do. There's, um, you know, the neighborhoods are in a little bit better shape. Uh, Downtown's, they're always trying to revitalize downtown. You know, uh, I don't, I just don't see that at all. And I don't get why you'd want to run for office here if you have that view of the city. It's a very antiquated and obsolete perspective. And honestly, it's a reason why people don't like politicians. um, Right. Constantly dwelling on the negative. It is really like, it is really hard to look at the last five to seven years of what's happened here. And you mentioned specifically downtown and not say the arrow is pointing up. It's going to wobble at times because it's not yeah. linear, but things are good, especially since um, things are great. The, the, the uh, road program fi- fixed off once the mayor finally, you know, realigned the voting with that and got it passed in a different, uh, whatever it was, issue one, um, people are getting their streets paved now. And that was such a big sore spot, rightfully so for a lot of people, because you can't get out of your, can't go to work, right. you can't get out of your neighborhood because it's all jacked up. Um, but yeah, the, the arrow is pointing up for Toledo. It's, it's hard to really say something is truly negative. Like I'm, I'm trying to scan my brain right now as to what, what's the overriding issue now well, that we're like, working on the roads. Yeah. That, you know, the video that I saw the guys walking around a neighborhood and he's like, Oh, look at this trash on the side of the road. And it's like, okay, so that means that Toledo's a bad place. Like I'm watching <laughs> this like dour video of like dark sky and how Toledo's a bad place. And this guy's going to fix it. And then I, I go, you know, ride my bike down Adams street, down past all those bars, you know, go down to the new, two new Metro parks downtown. Like I'm, I just don't see it. Trash. It's only in Toledo. People. Yeah. Only, right. People, Famously the only place people only litter here. Um, right. I, I'm a big fan of what the city has coordinated. Cause everybody, people have watched the news and seen, Oh, the, there's violence everywhere, especially in cities. Well, that's, that, that's always been the case. And it just magnified now. And it was predictable because the tentacles of the pandemic are going to be with us for, for years. Um, right. but I'm super impressed that the city has acted quickly over the last couple of months as school wound down to get kids active. There's something going on in so many of our city parks every day, yeah. getting getting kids fed, giving them activities. TSA has been heavily involved. I went to a, right. ja- a jazz thing last week at Fox Glove Park, and uh, I, I got handed what was essentially like a program. It's five or six pages long, and it lists everything happening at city parks all over the city all summer long. It's very hard to not to go to a city park all over Toledo and not find something free and easy and accessible for kids to do. And I, I love that because that's what's going to, you know, at least derail some of the potential for violence. Yeah, I agree. Um, Just, you know, and it's just showing like kids that you have something else to do, you know, showing these people that, um, that the city like cares, you know, that cares about you. Um, I, I definitely want to see that taken a lot further. Um, I was talking to someone who works with at-risk youth and we talked about, um, the idea of, you know, down at one government center, them doing like summer internships for high school age children. Um, so they can come and like intern at city council and things like that and kind of learn how the government works and also 
kind of gives puts them on the path uh, to potentially uh, work in politics if that's something that they want to do and and gives them something to do for the summer. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that have no idea how government works, and I'm not saying that uh, to be snide or anything. You know, it's not accessible. And so I think if you made that accessible, more accessible to everyone, but especially if you like reached out to kids who were, you know, in high school and kind of started them down that path, um, you show that like investment uh, in our youth. And I think that's really important. I completely get what you're saying about people not understanding how government works. And to illustrate that, um, I, I, I wanted to bring this up anyway, but I'm, I, I understand the situation on Summit Street with the FBI and the city and the blocks. I don't love it, but I get it because what's, what are your thoughts on that situation? It's just frustrating. You know, it's like, why are we in this situation? You know, no matter like at the end of the day, like who's right or who's wrong. I just feel like the whole thing was avoidable. You know, I, I, like you said, I kind of understand what they were getting at with redoing Summit Street, but also we just redid it. Um, and of course, this is already gone over budget. It's going to go over time. Um, and then to have, you know, this, these weird like conflicts of interest, you know, a lawyer for the city is related to someone who works for Black Communications and all that kind of stuff. It's just such a bad look. And it's just the kind of thing that, um, that makes people not trust the government, right? And rightfully so. And um, these are the situations that we should be avoiding putting ourselves into. Yeah, it's the short-sightedness that has happened like in past administrations when cities, not just the cities of Toledo size were um, not run real well with the best ideas and weren't super innovative and not thinking ahead and just short-sightedness. And I, and I, I understand, and I have no information one way or another, but I understand how it came to this because um, Buckeye is a local, and the Blocks are a local company. The other companies that had to move their stuff are big national places, so they might have seen something on the bottom line, and they're like, just, you know, we'll take care of it, as opposed to Block that lives here, the Blocks that are here, and they're like, whoa, 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 wait a second, hold on, it's a beautification project, the law is you take care of it, so I could see why they might have had um, more interest in not letting that money go away so easily. And I, I understand that this it was all pressured by the Solheim Cup, and the city didn't want to do anything to disrupt um, anybody involved with that. So if they if they would have told the mayor that he's got a parachute from a plane naked to make sure the Solheim oh, Cup yeah. happens without a hitch, the mayor would be like, what color shoot can I have? Yeah, he's and, not hesitating. <laughs> and, it, and again, I, I don't like it. It's not great. It, it, totally your point of it's a it's a bad look. I wish it could have been avoided. The FBI probably didn't need to be here at all. They completely wasted their time because everybody looks kind of ridiculous right now. Like I said, the blocks were just like, no, you pay for it. When, you know, AT&T and Columbia Gas, if they really wanted to pay attention, they probably could have said, no, you pay for it as well. But they didn't because they're goliath global companies so it's yeah. it's just like the backroom politics of wanting to keep relationships good and in place because the blocks and buckeye and the in the blade you know there's got to be they got to maintain a relationship there as well and it's the politics that don't get written about and i'm not saying they're backroom deals or shady but there's relationships that make things happen that we'll never know about right yeah it, i mean you're totally right it's just the whole thing is a little careless especially with yeah the kind of scrutiny that, you know, the city government's been under the last year, 
uh, you think they would just be a lot more mindful and and a lot more careful, but here we are. Careless is a is a great way to 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 put it. Um, what else did I want to ask you? Um, keeping are there any other ideas? We talked about keeping kids busy, um, and I always felt bad that those types of programs got labeled as the mayor's pet projects um, yes. during that primary last year and then we talked about the issues with the uh with getting the streets fixed and, and now it is what other things would you think about or have you thought about to keep kids busy and and engaged um you know i i really do think like the programs that they've kind of started it's just let's just keep focusing on that keep putting our attention on things like that um that's just kind of the whole thing you know this the summit street thing just makes me think of we're spending all this money to redo summit street and getting ourselves in trouble with the blocks and all that stuff when um i just want to see them try that hard for for the kids in my neighborhood you know the kids down the street and uh they are doing things there are programs at the city park but let's you know let's really focus on on those um as opposed to uh doing everything we can to make one street look nice for a golf tournament yeah um, let's, uh, let's carry what, let's carry the momentum and excitement and enthusiasm of the things happening over the summer into the fall and other times of the year. And I know that it's sure. not as easy because kids are in school and it's, our weather isn't cooperative, but there's gotta be some ideas out there to keep kids busy so they stay on the right path. What are, are there anything, are there any ideas you've come across from other cities or places that you're familiar with that you'd like to implement here? Yeah, uh, like as it relates to like youth outreach, just anything at all. Like I know you're a big bike person, but um, anything else that some city's doing or you read about, and you're like, this would be great to do here. Um, yeah, I mean, like like you touched on, you know, I was in Seattle a couple of years ago, and just seeing like how walkable and bikeable a city like that is. Now, obviously, we're not Seattle; it's not you know a one to one. It's not like we can just drop that infrastructure here. But I, you know, it's kind of hard to get around the city by anything but a car, you know. And so that's something that I mean, you can't wave a magic wand and do. But if you make that like your priority, like eventually over the next five, ten years, uh, you know, we can make it easier here to to just kind of to walk from your neighborhood to downtown or to a restaurant or things like that or ride your bike uh, all over the city um, that's something that I care about a lot we might have talked about this back in January and I, I pushed back on that I, I just don't know if that will ever happen here um, or anywhere in the Midwest the cities weren't designed that that way and you know these are where the, the major auto manufacturers are people want you to buy and drive a car around here but certain places should be bikeable and walkable and easy and have places for those people but um, we're just so spread out yeah i mean there's there's no like replacing cars especially in toledo not the way that the city is designed but i think you can kind of chip away at some of that and and make it a little bit easier um yeah are you allowed to uh put signs up yet when can you when can uh you litter the greenways of the trail and other places (laughs) um i i'm already seeing signs for other city council members so i'm I'm working on it right now. I actually just got a quote yesterday on, on some yard signs. What uh, what does it cost to run a campaign, and where does a lot of that money come from? Well, the money comes from, uh, at least for me, from small dollar donors. You know, so anyone listening, you can find me on social media at Ortiz for Toledo, um, or go to my website ortizfortoledo.com, O-R-T-I-Z-F-O-R Toledo.com. And uh, even just making like three, five, ten dollar donations, that's kind of where the money comes from for a campaign like mine. Um, and where the money goes is, uh, you know, yard signs, um, making like literature to 
leave at people's doors when you go knock doors and things like that. Um, we just got some shirts made. Um, you know, eventually, uh, as things ramp up, you know, hopefully like some, you know, advertisements on TV and radio and things like that. Um, so I'm not sure what the total cost is going to be. I've had people kind of advising me, not people that have run campaigns before that have said, uh, some pretty high numbers and I've gone back and look at past candidates filings and, um, yeah, they've raised and spent a lot of money, but I've seen some people spend, uh, you know, almost $10,000 on advisors. And mm-hmm. so oh I think God. I found, I think I found a way to save 10,000 bucks. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a lot of money, but it's spread out over the whole year. So, uh, we're working on it right now, but yeah, most of my money, um, all of my money has just come from individuals and, uh, usually pretty small dollar amounts. Isn't it interesting, like going back to, you know, the the inscrutable nature of politics, um, you you might not need to, if you just put up the most signs and spent the most marketing money and the marketing worked and people didn't really know what you stood for or anything like that. You could very well win because it's just simply recall like, oh, that 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 Daniel guy, he has nice signs. Then, <laughs> but uh, we do we do not live in a meritocracy, unfortunately, so. Um, but I look forward to seeing your signs everywhere. And I think you have a super cool fundraiser coming up. I know a lot of people are familiar with Toledo Spirits, but I like the, uh, don't, please don't take offense with me calling it a gimmick to how you're running the fundraiser with different, uh, different rooms and locations. Yeah, that was actually all their idea. It was really cool. I, I know, um, a lot of the people that work there. And so I, I came to them and I said, Hey, I'd like to do a fundraiser here. And, um, they really came up with pretty much the entire idea. And so what we're going to do, it's um, Monday, July 12th. Normally they're closed on Mondays, but they're going to be open just for this. And um, it's going to start at 530 and it's going to start at their outdoor uh, patio bar. And so we'll all kind of gather there. I think they're going to have like yard games out and things like that. You know, we'll hang out and then uh, hour and a half, two hours in, they're going to move everybody into Bellwether, their main bar on campus there. And same thing. We'll just kind of hang out. Um, and then about an hour after that, we're going to go downstairs into their new bar, uh, heavy underground. It's where they brew their uh, beer and, and they serve it down there. They serve like six kinds of beers right now, I think. And, uh, the famous Toledo hot beef sandwich. So we'll spend the rest of the night just hanging out down there, which is my favorite part of Toledo spirits is the, is the new underground bar, the hot so, beef yeah. sandwich. I've never, I, the, I know the drinks are really good there. I've never heard anybody talk about any of the food at Toledo spirits. What is the hot beef sandwich? It's pretty, uh, self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. It's a hot beef sandwich. <laughs> and, uh, the best part is, is down, down in the basement there. It's the only food they serve. So it's just like, what kind of beer do you want? And do you want a sandwich? Yes or no. There's no options. There's no customization. It's just, here's the sandwich. And it's real good. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, wasn't the, the hook or the gimmick, though, that there are specific drinks to each location yeah. as you move through the night? Right. So they, they're they making up a, a special drink um, at the first two stops just for that night. Just kind of related. They, they know me and what I like to drink, you know, so... Uh, like at Bellwether, they're going to make a uh, old fashioned, but with tequila because I'm a tequila person, you know, and um, your the price of the ticket um, is going to include getting one free drink at each or, you know, one drink at each stop. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah, like that. cool. Uh, Hopefully make it worth your while. A fun new way to navigate a place that people have probably probably already been to heard about 
Oh, I have a coffee thing tomorrow. I totally forgot about that. Um, <laughs> sorry, that just the place I'm going is the Toll House, which is right next door to Toledo Spirits. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that. So, um, sorry for the brain fart there. So, uh, some <laughs> some some personal type things. What is your uh, what's your favorite food truck? Food truck. Um, I would say Rusty's Road Trip. I don't know if you've had that yet, but um, they serve a lot of good like fish and things like that, which I don't like fish, but they have uh, one of my favorite things to eat in all of Toledo is the Rusty's Road Chip mac and cheese ball. It's just a uh, ball of macaroni and cheese that is deep fried. It's uh, it's real good, but don't okay. like have don't have plans to do anything after you eat a couple of those, you know. Uh, favorite Metro Park? Um, hmm. I'm tempted to just say middle grounds just because I live in the old West End and that's the closest one. Um, but I do really like Secor and I like the new Wiregrass Metro Park. It's new as of like maybe last summer or the one before. And uh, we've gone camping there a couple of times. It's just pretty fun. Favorite, um, favorite thing that you're glad to have back and doing after uh, all the restrictions were gone? Um, just going out on Adam street, going bar to bar and, and being able to, you know, they were open, um, last summer, but it was like, everyone had to be seated and you had to wear a mask when you were walking around and everything. And if you go down there, you know, like this weekend or whatever, people are out, people are walking around the bars and like congregating and kind of feels like old times. So, uh, that's, that's my favorite thing. Do you have any hangs outside of, um, like downtown or uptown? Um, Sylvania, Maumee, Perrysburg? No. <laughs> okay. All right. I, 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 I really, because I, I like riding my bike, you know, so I live in the old West End. It's really easy to ride my bike over to Adam Street or anywhere downtown and hang out there and, and ride home at the end of the night. So that's, I, I stick around here. I mean, there's a lot of places I like to go uh, all across Toledo, of course, but as far as like hanging out for the night, it's I usually stick around here. L- last thing, unless there's anything else you want to cover, uh, you just made me think of uh, my friend was at Manhattan's over the weekend, I think, mm-hmm. and we were talking um, about a, a Toledo Reddit post that I saw that I guess people are doing fire fireworks, firecrackers all over their neighborhoods, all all times of night, and all kinds of nonsense. And are you experiencing any of that? Um. I guess I'm just kind of used to it. Okay. <laughs> you know, in the summer here is that you hear like firecrackers and stuff all the time. So nothing out of the ordinary. Um, you know, the the pets don't really like it and stuff, but right. I don't really know what you can do about it. You know, I'm not going to call the cops on someone over firecrackers, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, there was a, like I said, there's a pretty long Reddit thread for Toledo about people saying it was happening here and there and the police sure. won't do anything. And, uh, I, I I don't I don't know. It, thankfully, I mean it doesn't happen in in my neighborhood, and my dogs don't freak out with the stuff anyway. But I can everything like COVID was the great amplifier, the great magnifier. Like you said, like people just do that around this time of year, especially as we're like mm-hmm. a week out from July Fourth, and um, people set fireworks and firecrackers off when they're bored, but also when they're happy. And a lot of people are happy to get life back to normal as we have over the sure. last six to eight weeks. So yeah, I mean, I just I don't. It's not my favorite thing to hear all night long, but I also don't know what you can really do about it. Right. And and eventually you just hope that uh, if they, they keep doing it at 2.30 in the morning, if they do it long enough, they'll lose a finger and then that's one less finger to light <laughs> off a firework. Or they'll run out, you know, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else we got to cover? I know, uh, I, I know you wanted to hop on and I definitely wanted to talk about the fundraiser. July 12th, right? Toledo Spirits? 
Yep, July 12th. Um, you can go on, like I said, my website, OrtizForToledo.com or any of my social media pages at Ortiz for Toledo. You'll find a link there to uh, buy your ticket. Um, and then also, like I said, we're really ramping up um, kind of our door-to-door operations and things like that. So we need volunteers. So if you are someone who's ever been interested in uh, working on a political campaign before, uh, just reach out to me. You know, you don't need to have experience because I don't have experience. So we'll kind of learn together. There's so many good like training uh, resources and things like that. So um, and if you are experienced and you want like a higher up role in a campaign for the first time or something like that, um, just reach out to me and we'll talk and we'll figure it out. So, yeah, the fundraiser. volunteer opportunities coming up. I think that's it. The only thing, other thing I wanted to say is, uh, you know, last time you and I talked, it was January. There seemed like no vaccine in sight, but now that we're both vaccinated, uh, we got to meet up and, and get dinner or something. We can do that. Tell, uh, where is, why is Derek off the grid? I, uh, I texted his mom a couple of times. Mm-hmm. She's my good friend. She didn't get back to me. I know like she's got a lot of stuff going on. I text Derek. I was like, have your, and he didn't respond back to me. So I'm a little concerned. Is everything all good with them? Um, Derek is good. He's just, uh, you know, he's kind of squirrely. So yes, if you know, people generally know if they want to get a hold of him, they can get a hold of me. So, okay. <laughs> you know, you have my number. Well, if you really need to get a hold pa- of him. He pass, lives down the street. Pass so. the word along to him that I am looking for him and his mom. He's going to do, uh, I think he's going to do some work for us here at the radio station and uh cool. he did he did an incredible job in my shower i got lots of oh wows for it but uh yeah yeah he was showing me pictures it looks it, nice it was wild like i with him and was it, it was dan his friend did i get that right david D- david david i know it's a d um i was it was like having roommates again and <laughs> the dogs even stopped barking when they start when when you know the guys would come in. It was it was wild, and I kind of felt sad the last day that they finished up. I felt like roommates I really liked were moving out, but yeah. <laughs> but no, Derek was a great dude, and I'm glad he could. I'm glad I could have him do my work, and um, he did a great job. And now I'm just worried about his mom. Oh, especially because do you know his mom at all? I do. Yeah. Oh, I, that's I, right. You were the intern. Uh huh. I definitely have to get with Mary Beth because she's got to be ecstatic that the Pistons won the lottery the other night. So yeah, I'm sure she uh, she got she got Trump out of office. Pistons win the lottery. If anything awful did happen, she could go in peace now because of all those things. So. Yeah, um, I'm sure she'd love to hear from me. So awesome. Well, yes, we'll get together sometime, maybe even on the 12th. I have it on my calendar. And cool. uh, thanks again for the time. And let me know how and when I can get some signs. Oh, I'll, I'll let you'll be the first to know. Good. All right, Dan. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you. Bye-bye.